listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, gang. Uh, how many excited about today at church for our series, What Your Life is Missing? Can you give God a little whoop whoop? Come on, somebody. Hey, we opened up the series last week with part one, and this week is part two. We're answering one of the deeper questions, what is your life missing? It might be one or all of five things that we're going to talk about over the course of this series If you have anything to take notes with, now's the moment. Take that out, that little pen and note sheet that we gave you when you walked in. You know, the best of us in the room or the best of us, even in Christianity, we set resolutions for our year. We resolve things are going to be different. Things are not going to be that they were in the past. And uh, typically by, actually statistically, by February, most of those resolutions are dead. In fact, where we stand today, I think it's the 15th, most of your resolutions are already dead. And it's because we have big hopes for what the year could be, but we fall short on something. And the whole arc of this series is this. Take a look at it, write it down. Many people have high hopes for their life, yet... Their hopes are not realized, and here's the reason why. It's because they're missing something. It's not because you don't want the change. It's not because you don't even say, I'm going to write it down and I resolve to do it. It's because there's something else behind the scenes. And I do like it even when people come into the room and they've got resolutions because it does show me something about your heart, and it is that you have hope. And you need hope. Hope is is, is a motivator, but, but hope is not a strategy. Hope is not going to get the job done, everybody. You need something more substantial. I've learned this, that in my life, we are, I am, what I repeatedly do. And so there's some practices, some best practices, that if they're missing, there's going to be a lot missing in your life. But if they're put into play, that's where you're going to have some traction. So we need to do some things to change our lives. So the things that we've been presenting to you last week in this, uh, and as we continue through, they're, they're things that do work. But they're not easy. Nothing worthwhile is easy in this world or in this existence. If you want a great, substantial life with God, a great anything in your life, it's going to be something. If it's going to be worthwhile, it's going to be something that costs you. And so I'm going to give you simple answers in this series. It's, it's a things difficult to do, but simply said. But it's not going to be simplistic self-help stuff. I'm just not good at that. I got to give you Bible on it and it will change your life and it will help you a ton, but it's going to be something that's going to come with a little bit of a challenge. Now, the good news is God is on your side. Romans 12 has been the real epicenter scripture, the center of this series. Let me read it for you in Romans 12. The Bible says this, fix your attention on God. How are you going to be changed from the inside out? Readily recognize what he wants from you and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, what's it doing? It's dragging you down. Anybody else experienced that in the room maybe already this year? God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And that's the goal in this series is that you'd quickly respond like, God wants me to do it? Cool, I'm in. And you jump into that. That's where you'll have success. Now, there are five things that we'll present over the course of the series, but last week we talked about the principle of priority. It's called really putting God first 
in our lives. Many underestimate that. It is the power of, of first, and it aligns the rest, putting God first in your day, your week, your month, and, and even in your year. And if you missed anything in that series uh, so far or to come, go to newchapel.com slash watch, trek with all of that. But when we honor God first, he blesses the rest. Today, I want to give you that second practice. And the second practice is this. Write it down. I made it personal. It's kind of a declaration for you. This is what it is. I will, write this down, I will learn to control my thoughts. For many in the room, what's missing in your walk with God is having a handle on your thought life. Your your thoughts speed out of control. And, And our thoughts are powerful. The Bible has a lot to say about these things. Answers. I remember when I first rededicated my life to Christ, I remember I thought very poorly of myself. I was a pretty insecure person. If you've met me, I mean, I'm not not obnoxious, but I am confident in who God has made me to be. But you wouldn't ever look at me and think of me as as an insecure person. I was very much so an insecure person. I was defeated in many ways. I had a vision for my life, but it was a very small vision for my life. And when I rededicated, I had mentors, leaders that were around me that were speaking life into me. They were calling things out in me that I didn't see that were there. And they, they were speaking life like, like, Joe, God has his hand on your life. You have gifts. You, you have abilities that, man, if it's developed, you could really have some influence. And I didn't even think like that, everybody. I just wasn't there. But I had people around me to help change my thinking over to something new, change my, change my thinking over to what God's thoughts were. And, and every pivotal change, every, every uh, uh, fork in the road in my life, anytime I've had increase, anytime there's been a promotion, it's been coupled with first a change in how I'm thinking. And, and the people that were speaking life, it helped change the way I thought about myself and changed really the course of my entire life. And and this was just in a matter of months, a couple of leaders speaking life in. And and so we discount what we say, but it's so important. Say amen, somebody. And the truth is this, your life is going to be marked by how well you do this habit. None of us will change our lives until we change the way that we think. Let me show you what Ecclesiastes says. It says it pretty brass. It says it this way. uh, Wise thinking leads to right living. Good enough? I love this. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. (laughs) And and I don't think there's a person that would disagree with that in the room. But but where do we mess up? It's when you're thinking stupid. It's when you're thinking about just yourself. or You're thinking about uh, or worrying or rehearsing worry. Or you weren't thinking with the edge that you needed to at, at your workplace. And so wise thinking leads to right living. And I'm not just talking about moral living. Yes, moral living. But don't just take it like in the church context, like you better behave. It's like right living means living well. You know what I'm talking about? Not being worried. The temptation isn't there because I've got, I've got some pad there of some wisdom. I've got some storehouse in play, and I've got some, I've got some reserves. And so wise thinking will produce a, a right living life. And so what I want to do in this message is I want to split it into two. The first part of this message, I want to talk about thinking give you some of the Bible thoughts about it, the Bible theology, and some principles. And then the second part of today, I want to give you really some practical points that will help to assimilate those godly truths into your life. And, and if, it, if you do, it, it'll change everything. And so, are you all ready? Here we go. Write it down. The first principle is this. Everything, everything, everything begins 
with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Things that you're doing well, things that you're not doing so well in, they all started in kit form as a thought. They're fueled by your thinking. And if you try to change your behavior without changing the way you think about things, you'll actually never change the behavior. Because the outside-in method doesn't work. Behavior modification and forcing yourself and, and, and trying, to, trying to act right, that doesn't change. You've got to have an inside-out change. It all begins in your mind. My personal discipline, I'll give this to you just as a practice. I really guard, especially the first hour of my day. Now, I talked in detail last week a little bit about firsts and how I put God first in my day. And I do pray, like as soon as I wake up, just a short prayer. But when I wake up, I, I, my, our bedroom's on the second uh, uh, level of our house, so I got to go downstairs to make my coffee. I leave my phone down, uh, upstairs next to my bed. It's my alarm clock, and I go downstairs without it. I encourage you to do the same thing. I guard what music I listen to. I guard what I'm taking in, and I don't want to be triggered by my phone. Now, I would just say that if I was the enemy of your soul... If I was the devil, if I was your uh, opponent, the great spiritual adversary, I wish I could think of something that I could put in your life that would be a constant distraction, not just from God, but from your spouse and your kids and your family that would really numb you down and really not make you have any aspirations, but really make you compare yourself to everyone on earth except for you. And, and I wish I could make this thing that would destroy so much of your life fit right in your back pocket. You are defensive of your phone. Did you know that? Like when you're showing somebody a picture, so you're like, hey, take a look at this picture, and they take it, and they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. You're like, I want it back. You know, like you're just... And so I'm just putting it out there that I guard the first hour of my day because the enemy know how, he knows how to get to me. If I go on that phone, I'm going to get stirred up about something in politics. Oh, I'm going to see somebody else that I went to Bible school with, and they're going to be doing better than me. Oh, God bless them, you know? And, and, and I'm going to, I deal with the same things you do. And that first hour, they, I got to keep, and it's hard because I'm task-oriented. I want to check my emails. I want to check my texts. I got to get going on things. Let's go, let's go. And I guard that first part of my day, and it's a huge deal. I talked to one lady around these lines, and uh, she was kind of complaining. And she said, every day, Pastor Joe, I wake up grumpy. I said, how about that? And she said, yeah, sometimes I let them sleep in. (laughs) Some of y'all are waking up grumpy, and it's because of what you're doing first. And so I guard the first part of my day, but here's what I'm trying to say. It's, It's trying to get my mind right in that first part of the day. Everything starts with a thought. Everything in your life starts with a thought. And even the process that God wants to work in you the change that God wants to work in your life and in your heart, even that starts with a thought. Let me show it to you. Romans says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? Changing the way that you think. And so it's a huge deal. Next point, write this one down. What we think determines, write this down, how you feel. What you think determines how you feel. You might try, like I have in the past, to blame other things. You might blame your spouse. 
You might blame your boss. You might blame teachers or your next-door neighbor or the president or the economy. You might try to blame everything else on your list. But trust me, those things are not making you feel the way that you feel. You feel however you feel is a result of thoughts that you thought about whatever's happening in the world. And, and here's how I know. We have a control group. We have, we have other people that are living great, successful, free lives in Jesus, and they have the same circumstances that you're facing. They're not different. In fact, their life might mirror yours or be worse in some occasions, yet they see victory through the problems of life. How? It's because of how they're thinking about the problems that are knocking at their door. And so it's so important for us to realize that we have to have a filter on our mind. I'm putting a challenge out there, and this is an all play, everybody. I just wonder who's going to do it. I challenge you for the next seven days to see how much media you can cut out of your life. How much TV can you cut out of your life? How much, how much music even? How much, uh, how much video games? I know this is a big ask for the teenager in the room, but like just for seven days, can you not kill everybody? Just let them live for seven more days, you know? You can kill them next week, kill them dead, you know? But how, how much can you cut out of your life of the news and secular music, movies and TV? Here's what I'm going to do. Kai doesn't even know I'm calling this fast in our life. For the next seven days, we shutting off the TV at the Bevel Aqua House. I bought my kids, <laughs> this is hilarious, I bought my kids a Nintendo 64 for Christmas. Why? Because I'm the best dad on earth, everybody. I'm turning that Nintendo, you ain't playing no more Nintendo, you know? We're turning that off. We're not going to listen to any Dizzy Gillespie just for seven days. We'll turn on some worship. I'm going to limit all, and I just wonder who's with me. If you can't, and this is not, by the way, this is not a sacrifice, This is a test. Can you even pull that off? Can you stomach a week not watching? I mean, you're going to have to look at your spouse and be like, oh my gosh, you look great. Wow. This is better than I thought. You might have to talk to them a little bit. I mean, just wild things in your life. I know I'm really tipping over tables in the temple, but, but I challenge you for the next seven days. In fact, how about this? Pastor Brian, you didn't even know this. Cut off social media. I don't want to post anything on there. No, no church social. It's all done. Let's for just, this is is so amazing. Welcome to a first world country in America, 2023. I'm texting with Elkis Almas in uh, Shakapura, Pakistan this morning. And he's like, oh, you're fasting for seven days media. And we're like trying to really deal with staying alive as Christians. That's good, Pastor Joe. So I just wonder if you can do it. And and here's what it's going to be. It's going to be an illustrated sermon for you if you do it. What are you talking about? It will show whether Philippians works or not. This is what it says, Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and and the God of peace will be with you. And so there's nothing wrong with watching some TV. Kai and I are, are just kind of hooked on this show called Alone right now. We all talk about how we can do it. Probably couldn't, but, but like we like it. And there's nothing wrong with a little TV. But, but if you just have TV and you don't have these things in your life, your peace meter is going to be very low. You're, you, and so you need this in your life. I need this in my life. Seven days. I just, 
I wonder, I'm not going to make you raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass myself, but, but there's nothing I want more for you than this, the peace of God in your life. And I can't necessarily make circumstances in your life change, but I can introduce you to the one who, if you have a relationship with him and you think about godly things, even though the circumstance might not change, you can have peace through the circumstance that you're, I'm just trying to help everybody. Next thing, write it down. Godly principles about our thoughts. Our thoughts determine our destiny. That's just true. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Your thoughts determine, let me put it this way, who you're going to be 365 days from today. Maybe you've seen this. I've showed this before at New Chapel. But if you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you'll reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you'll reap a lifestyle. And if you sow a lifestyle, you'll reap your destiny. But notice how the whole thing starts. Sow a thought, and it ends with reap a destiny. Your destiny, where you're going, where you're going to land in this life, it is going to be the sum total of how you are thinking about things. If you don't like where you're going, you need to change the way that you think, friend. And I would say you are here today as a result of where your thoughts have brought you. And you will go tomorrow where your thoughts lead you. Well, Pastor Joe, this is just self-helpy stuff, positive thinking. No, listen to me, friend. This is God's word. Let me show you in Romans one more time, Romans 8. The Bible says those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, big stakes here. There is death. Maybe you have King James Version or New King James that says to to think on carnal things, it is deadly. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, that's where the life and the peace is. And that's what we want, life and peace in your Christian walk. But notice the stakes are high. If we just think the way that the world thinks, friend, you're going to get worldly results. But if you exchange, oh, I wish I could somehow convey everything in my heart. If you could exchange the way that you think and just say, God, I want to exchange my thoughts for your thoughts. I want to take your thoughts into my head. I'm done thinking what I think about this world. I have found myself on the flat bottom of my face too many times. I'm done with that. God, I want your thought. If you have that, it's life and it's peace. Can I hear an amen? Okay, that's the first part. The second part of today's message, I'm going to give you practical things, five things in particular. Assimilate these truths into your life, and that's where you're going to be able to work out life and peace controlling your mind. Number one, write this down. I will find a plan to control my thoughts. Again, I'm rating this in the personal sense. I want you to rate it down in that way. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to find a plan to control my thoughts. So many... If our thoughts today are coming from what you see on your phone, on the internet, and you have to find some sort of handle on all of that, you need a plan, and part of your plan needs to be this. Write this down. Read the Bible. (laughs) I know that I've been talking about this a lot at the onset of the year, but listen to me, it's a huge deal. Read the Bible. 
Again, something that the team doesn't know, but I'm going to just spring it on them because every once in a while I have a little license to mess with people. I'm going to do it. I'm going to send you an email on Monday morning to everybody on our mailing list. If you're not on it yet, you can sign up on our Facebook or on our website, newchapel.com. But I'm going to send you an email with different Bible plans, different apps you can have on your phone with different plans integrated into them. One size does not fit all. For some of you, you need that paper copy. I get it. For others of you, you want to read the app with the one year, you just want it like ready for you every single day. For me, at different seasons, I've needed the podcast version of it. I'm going to send you several different versions because at the beginning of the year, you need to read your Bible. Now, I want to talk to those people who have started a one-year Bible plan in the past and you failed at it. And you didn't want to fail at it. And I always joke that Leviticus is where Bible reading plans go to die. Just that's the only because it's true. And, and so what I want to do is help you with that. Here's what people do is they say, I'm going to read the Bible in one year. I'm making a resolution to do it. And instead of making the resolution to read the Bible in one year, you need to be a person. I'm going to resolve to be a person who reads their Bible every day. I'm going to be that type of person, meaning this. The reason why you have failed at a Bible reading plan in the past, if you have, is simply because you missed a couple of days, and you said, well, I'm going to make them up. And at first, it was three days. And then it was one day, and you're like, well, I'm going to make that one up. And then it was five. And you're like, okay, well, I can't do five. I'm just going to do it tomorrow, and it's Saturday, and I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to do six days. And bless God, I'm going to read this one-year Bible. Come heck or high water. And what happens is you guilted yourself out of it. Listen to me. Look at me. Stop making up the days you miss. That's the hack. Just be a person that reads your Bible every day. If you miss a day or five, don't try to make anything up. Just jump in on the day that you're supposed to do it. Here's why. If you're a person that just reads your Bible every day, you'll hit it next year. You'll hit it the year after that, perhaps. It's not so much that we cram it in. That's legalism. God doesn't want you reading his word out of legalism to say that you did it and that you're going, here, you got the gold star in Sunday school. If you want gold stars, we'll order them off Amazon and have them at guest services for y'all. Some of y'all religious crowd, you want, we'll have them. You could just take them. But if you want to have a relationship with God through reading the word, that's the hack. That's the best tip I can give you. Don't make up what you missed. Just jump into the day. Anybody else get free in the house because I said that? Like, it helped me when somebody gave me permission to do that because I felt like, oh, man, this is great. I don't feel guilty anymore. I don't, as your pastor, I don't want you reading the Bible guilty. If God convicts you, totally different thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm, not, I'm talking about you being guilty because I didn't read my one-year Bible. Look, there is no passage in the Scripture that says, thou shalt read thy one-year Bible. If thy don't, thy shall burn in the depths of hell. I mean, there's just not in there. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying today? So read your cotton-picking Bible. Okay, Hebrews 4. (laughs) Trying to help. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Joints, that's your structure, but marrow, that's the life-giving part of you. It judges. It discerns the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. You want to get your head on straight? The Bible's the only book that when you read it, it reads you. And you need that handle on your thought life that is pulling you over to, hey, you're thinking crazy. This is, right, this is what you need to be thinking. Amen, somebody? We got to press on. Number two. 
I will find a place to think my thoughts. Write that down. If you want to learn to control your thoughts, you have to have a place to think them. At some point in your busy, busy day, in your busy life, when you're running your kids to, to practices and basketball practice and cheer, like, I have no idea how in the world they slipped this in on us, but they have made cheerleading a sport. I have no idea. And, 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 and so you got to go to that 150 times, and they got to go early, three hours early for church or school, and three hours late for school. And they have a drill sergeant as the cheer instructor. And I mean, it's just, it's so intense. And you're busy. You're busy, and they're not plowing 131. They're not going to do that. You're just going to have to figure it out. You're on your own. It's risky. And so it's busy. I get it. But you're going to have to find time in your day to turn down the volume on your life. Because as busy as you think that you are, you got 15 minutes. You're going to have to find 15 minutes. Turn down the volume and spend time with God and let him speak with you. You talk about prayer, Pastor Joe? Yeah. I even hesitate to use the word prayer in this because... It's more than that. Write this down. You need to have a daily conversation with your God. Well, I believe in the power of prayer, okay? Here's why I don't preach that. It's because there are all kinds of different religions and backgrounds that pray. I think you need to believe in the power of your God. And I think you need to talk to him about your needs. And I think God will move mightily on your stead if you present your needs to him. But you cannot be a person, well, I just believe in the power of prayer. And you agree with it and you share little memes on social media and you never talk to him. You need to turn down the volume of your life and talk to your God because he wants to talk with you. I had one person come down to the altar one time that said, Pastor Joe, I can't pray. I don't know what to do. I get ready to pray and I go like this and I start off and I don't have the words. And they kept on talking and they kept on talking. And they kept... about 10 minutes went by of this person telling me that they can't pray. And when they went to go draw the breath for the first time in the conversation, they went, ah, to say more, I went, wait, you can talk. That's all God's looking for. Maybe take a breath and let him talk back to you. God does not God is not interested in your formality. He does not need your prayers to rhyme. Anybody else have a grandma that was like putting you down to bed? She said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. Guard me, Jesus, through the night. You know, we're talking about if you take me before I wait. What a horrifying prayer. How about let's stop reciting poetry to our kids that's horrifying and... (laughs) Hold their hands and pray, and pray with them. God's not looking for you to like impress him with King James Version. Thou art God on high. God's not English. He doesn't need your, he doesn't need your these and thous and, and thy power throughout the earth proclaim. He doesn't care about. He wants you to talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to your God. And we gave you a great way you can do that last week, but you need to make time, daily conversation to do it. And so Isaiah 26, what does it say? That God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Colossians 3, I love it. Think about the things of heaven, not just the stuff on earth. We know that you've got stuff to do. Everyone in this room, you have a task list to accomplish. You've got a schedule. I respect that. God respects that. He wants to be first, and then he wants to talk to you about it. 
He's got little hacks he'll give you, little tips he'll give you, because he knows how to do things. Every day when I wake up, I pray, God, what do you want me to do today? And he always gives me this like little thing. I wasn't even thinking about it. And today, what was it? He says, I want you to really focus on loving people. Really focus on it. And I don't know what's going to be on the other end of it. Sometimes it has nothing to do with something that's just going to be for me. Sometimes it's like, I really want you to focus on loving people because my church needs some love. Or there's somebody that comes into church and they get a hug from Pastor Joe. And if you haven't had one of my hugs, I'm Italian, which means that your phony Polak, Dutch, whatever, German hugs, I don't know. It's like sterile hospital lighting when you hug me. I give you a big old Italian, come on, baby, I love you. Some people come in here and that's the only hug they get all week. And I hope it's not just from me. I hope it's from, from y'all as well. But listen to me. God speaks to me, and he gives me these little hacks for my day, and he wants to do that for you so you can be thinking about godly things, not just the stuff you got to do. And again, if you don't do it, your peace meter is going to be very low. Number three, write this down. You need to say this within your heart. I will find a person to stretch my thoughts. Person. You can write the word people there as well. Your life would be so great if you could put God first. Your life would be so great if you begin to think God's thoughts about your life and your existence and your purpose. But at the same time, your life would be incomplete until you involve God's people in your life. Now listen, I really enjoy my privacy. I need a certain amount of time in solitude to recharge my batteries so I'm ready for other people. But at the same time, I have gone through seasons of my life where I've become a hermit, and it has not been good for me. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. That's mankind. You need people around you. God has a plan for you to be surrounded by people, and he works in relationships. In fact, I even think about how, you know, God forgives sin, amen, right? Like we can confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the Bible says if you want to get that like habitual sin out of your life, you actually have to confess it to somebody else. Not a priest, not a, it doesn't have to be me, but to somebody. Like, hey, I did this and I'm going through this. And I pray, and the Bible says he'll forgive you, but if you want to be healed from that junk, you got to confess it to somebody else in your world. What am I trying to say? You need somebody to stretch your thoughts, write it down. A brand new thing that we're launching here at New Chapel. We've never done it before. You need to get in a small group. You're welcome. You're like, bless God, I'll never do it. Okay, I'm going to keep on preaching. Tell you what, I'll stop preaching about small groups when y'all are in a small group. Because you need it. It's community. And they're not happening today, but in two weeks they're happening. This next week, we're going to be having a small group fair. And what is that? We're going to have some tables out there with just a sampling of some of the groups that we're offering that you can sign up for. That's going to be next week and the week after that. And, and really, today is kind of like the, the, the end of if you want to lead a group, let Pastor Brian know, let somebody at guest services know. I guess you could sign up real quick. We could get you assimilated in. But we have a lot of groups that we're going to be offering. You need to decide that you're going to do it. If you don't decide that you're going to do it, And you're just going to be like, well, I guess next week we'll just have to check it out. You'll pass right past all those tables like you have in the past. You need to decide, I'm going to be in a group, and I'm going to be around people that are going to lift me up. Let me show you what the Bible says in Hebrews 10. I want to talk to you a little bit about it. The Bible says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. We can just stop right there. That's incredible. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Like, the Bible takes the presupposition in the New Testament that if you're a born-again Christian, you're in church. And it's like, can you believe it? Some people are thinking that they can do it like they're neglecting it. Some people are doing it. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The day, capital T, capital D. What is that? It's when Jesus is coming back. Like, as we get closer to those end days, you got to be plugged in the house, everybody. And is it talking about in the house? Is it talking about church? Yes. But it's also talking about neglecting the meeting together in groups. See, the New Testament defines and describes a church that's not just in rows on a Sunday morning. It's in circles during the week. It can meet here at the church or at a coffee shop or in a living room. But listen to me, you need community in your life. Remember, man, well, how about this? I'm going to share this one. This is me being vulnerable. Uh, There's somebody in my life uh, who I admire but is not doing things right. And it's bumming me out. And I had to go to Pastor Brian and Naya this past week and just talk to them about how frustrating it is. And they helped me, and they encouraged me, and they lifted me up. That's about all I want to say about that. But let me just say, I have that. I have community. And it's not just with the staff at church. I have Pastor Tommy Pinkerton, who's on the New Chapel board. I have Pastor Josh Reese. I have Pastor Gabe George. I have people in my life that when I go through things and I have wild thoughts, I can go to them, and they can help me get back on track myself. I don't bring those things to you because I'm smart. I'm a good shepherd. I'm not going to weigh down my sheep with the woes of this world. Truth is, I don't have a lot about my job. I have the best job in the world. But I go through things emotionally like everybody else. And I have to get around people and talk to people on the phone that can lift me out of that junk and talk truth and talk life and get me out of all that negativity and the patina of the world and have me step out into God's light. Anybody else in my boat in the room? I mean, we need godly community. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a people like that? Number four, write this down. I will find a purpose to land my thoughts. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I will find a purpose to land my thoughts. Uh, some of the healthiest thoughts that you can have are thoughts about why God puts you here on this planet, why you're here, why you're alive. Some of the best things that you can think about is why am I here, God? And, and the most miserable people that I know, it's not because they're facing more hard things than you or I are facing. They're miserable because they're aimless. They don't know where the ship's sailing. They don't know where this whole thing's going. And because they don't know where they're going, they're miserable in life. And I'm here to tell you that if God could speak to you right now, if God could speak to you today, he would say two things. Number one, he'd be like, let's settle yesterday. And then number two, he'd be like, let's think about your future. If God could speak to your heart right now, I'm just telling you, God is so interested in his purpose. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you in the context of who he made you to be. And the hallmark of the spiritual journey he wants to take you on and that we focus on here at New Chapel is centered around purpose. Romans 12, again, do not conform to the pattern of this world, right? Renew your mind, then, then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You need to know what God's will is for your life. You need to be resolved in what he's called you to do. And until you begin to resolve that in your mind and and think heavenward like we read before, 
Let him transform you here. You're not going to know what his call and what his will is. And that, my friend, is a very unnerving feeling for the Christian. Some of you are okay in the world, just partying every weekend, saving up for a couple big parties a year, being wild, or maybe it's a big vacation or more stuff to buy to satisfy emptiness in your life. But as a Christian, there's this unrest, there's this unnerving thing, like I got to do something. And that thing is only satisfied in your God. Say amen, somebody. When your mind is right, it makes all the difference. What keeps me motivated? What, what, what keeps me clear in my life, living my life with clarity? What keeps me on fire? Simple answer, everybody. I know why I'm here. How does Pastor Joe do it another week, another day? I know why I'm alive. I've got work to do. So even on my worst day, it's better with Jesus. Even when I'm going through struggle, even when I'm going through hardship, I say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I know you've brought me through things like this before, and I know you'll do it again. But God, I know why I'm here. I have a job to do. Let's go. Let's take on another day. And then I'll talk to the devil and tell him he's rolling the dice. I'm messing with Joe Bevilacqua. Amen, somebody? Number. Uh, actually, let me give you one, one little action point here. Attend New Chapel Connect this month. Partnership one is today. The idea with New Chapel Connect is an entry point to you discovering purpose. Partnership one, you partner with God's vision for your life, and next week is engagement. It's all about engaging with the great purpose. New Chapel Connect, decide to do it. Make a decision. I'm doing it this month. If you just say, well, I'm going to do it eventually, I'll see you next year. But if you really want to take those steps into purpose, start with New Chapel Connect. You could do it today. It's going to be happening during second service. Number five, here we go. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. You need to find a power to fuel what you're thinking about. Now, when God speaks to you, he'll show you something, and this is wild about him. Everybody look at me. He'll show you something that's too big for you to do. God's call for your life is going to be like, oh, man, God's got a call. But it's going to be such an advanced, like, huge, expansive call that you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this alone. Exactly. And it's genius. It's genius of him. He puts something in your life that requires you to focus and lean into him. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. It requires you to lean into Christian community. Otherwise, it'll never be realized. And so you need to find a power to really feel it. And that power is found in the Holy Spirit. God wants to walk with you daily. Maybe you came from a church and man, they acknowledge the word of God. and They're like, God will speak to you through his word. But, but listen to me, everybody. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, God wants to speak to you. He'll do it in his word, but he wants to speak to your heart. He wants to lead you and guide you in all truth. I think about that old song I sang as a young person at Baptist Church, great is thy faithfulness. And it talks about his presence to cheer and to guide. And we sang that way, but we didn't live that way. Guys, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to be a daily part of your walk with him. He wants to cheer and to guide. He wants to be with you if you're lonely. He wants to direct your steps if you're wondering what's next. He wants to help with the problems of your life. And you have to open your heart and your life up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're in here and you've been discouraged because when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, you've seen some things that have turned you off. You've largely been turned off, if that's you, 
by churches that have misused the power and presence of real gifts of God. And it's been a turnoff to you. And, and here's, here's what I want to say. Don't go in that ditch of being wild. And don't go in the ditch of a God that is sterile and not present. You need to, it's not middle of the road. It's centering yourself on God's word and what he conveys about his spirit who is active and alive. The only living member of the Godhead on earth today that is moving in our lives. And friend, you need the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And so here's my encouragement. If you've never been to a small group or number two, if you really choke every time that we talk about the Holy Spirit or we move in some sort of action of the gifts, I want to invite you personally to my small group. And it's called New Chapel Grow. Write this down. Make the decision to attend New Chapel Grow as your small group. If, if you're like, I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, I don't know anything about that, if you're choking on that, hang out with me. We will take you on a journey where through the Word of God, you will see the power of the Holy Spirit in a very, very supernatural but conventional way in a context that you can wrap your mind around. I'm not saying you're going to wrap your mind around everything he'll do, but I'm saying you'll be able to say, that's God. And if you leave the whole thing, you're like, I don't want that in my life, it's going to be because you, didn't, you don't want to go along with the Bible, not because you didn't see it in the Word. I can help you with that. That's maybe one of my strongest gifts. I came from a very traditional background. And the breakthrough in my walk with Jesus, I believe I was saved. The breakthrough was when the power of the Holy Spirit came into my life. And you need it. You need it. And I, I, I want to give them to you. I want to show in, in living color the power of our God. So if you're kind of like wrestling with that, hang out with me. We'll spend time together. Sign up for New Chapel Grow next week or the week after that. Now, before we leave. Some of you are tormented in your thought life, and, and you think about things that you wish that you didn't, and you worry about things, and you wish that you didn't, and, and you don't want to do it. You want to think differently, and as I give you this list, you agree with it, but you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. It's, it's all true, but like when I get in my private time, or when I'm driving down the road, or in the, in the wee hours of the morning, or late night, I'm telling you, I don't want to think about the things I think about, but I think about them. I have shared a simple truth over the years, and it has helped a lot of people. If you've heard it before, you have known and, and, and come to love this truth and assimilate it into your life, hopefully, but it is a truth that I think can bring you so much freedom. I want to show it to you in the scripture, and then I want to give you the little hack, the little tip that goes along with it, and when you learn it, friend, you'll be free from all of that worry and the dread of just being lost with your thoughts, trying to combat thoughts with thoughts. Let me read it for you. It's in 2 Corinthians 10. The Bible says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are mighty in God. How? To demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's when you believe the lie. It's the hang-ups that you have in your life. It's just the glass ceiling. You, can't, you can see, I, I, maybe I could, but I can't get through. It's a stronghold. The Bible says that he's giving you weapons to demolish those, to demolish arguments. What does that mean? Is it just me or is anybody else in the room ever argued with yourself in your head? Going back and forth. You're like, who am I even fighting with right now? I don't even know. And, and then you start fighting a third point. You're like, okay, I need a coffee. I don't know what's going on. Coffee won't do it. You need these weapons of God. Demolish arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Anything that's in your head 
that's saying that's not going to work for you. That's true in the Bible, but it won't work for you. Yet God has that for everybody except you. It exalts itself above the knowledge of God. In other words, here's the big temptation the devil will put at you. He'll try to attack you and make you feel like you're not humble because you're going after a promise of God. Believe it or not, that is arrogant. When you don't receive a blessing or promise that God gives you, that's arrogant. Humility is saying about you what God says about you. And then what does he say? He says, you need to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you agree with that still, but I still think about things I don't want to, I still worry about things I don't want to worry about. And Pastor, I, I don't want to do it. The Bible tells you to take these thoughts captive and it says that you have weapons that are mighty in God. I'm going to take what could be a whole series and boil this down to something very simple. You have a handle on your thought life. What is it? It's your mouth quick little living illustrated sermon example just in your head not out loud we're going to play Simon said but but I'm going to to have you go count in your head the first Simon said from 10 to 1 just in your head we're going to go 10, 9 ready just in your head go now out loud say your name are you still counting no you can't think about something else when you're saying something you're saying something else your thoughts are interrupted God gave you a handle on your thought life, and it's your mouth. You don't have to think about whatever falls in your mind. You don't have to be tormented by worry. You can interrupt all of that worry by speaking God's truth. How do you take thoughts captive? You identify, reject, replace bad thoughts by speaking God's truth. And here's what it looks like. As bad as I've ever been. I'll never make a difference with God. No, I reject that. You say it out loud. You say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Oh, Pastor Joe, everything bad always happens to me. No, I reject that. I'm not saying those words and I'm not thinking those thoughts. You open up your mouth. Romans 8, the Bible says, I have a good God who is working good to those who love him. And I do love him. And I am called according to his purpose. Everything bad doesn't happen to me. Good things happen to me. Come on, Oral Roberts, something good is going to happen to you. I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to think that thought. I'm never going to overcome. This thing's going to take me down like it always has. No, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I'm not going to take this sitting down. I'm opening up my mouth. I'm not going to think that way any longer. I'm stupid. No, the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. I'll fail. No, the Bible says he always leads me in triumph. Oh, Pastor Joe, I can't. No, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You interrupt your worrisome mind by speaking it. And the moment that comes out of your mouth, you're going to be lifted up and you might stop saying it and have a lit down. You know what you do? You say it again. And you will feel certifiably nutso when you work through that process for two to three minutes. It is statistical. It's about two, three minutes and temptations will lift off from your life. 
but if you just try to take it, some of you are trying to combat thoughts with thoughts. And here is the curse of knowledge. You're a very bright person. You're well thought out. You're a deep thinker and you're so dumb because you're trying to combat thoughts with thoughts and you can't combat thoughts with thoughts. You combat thoughts with your mouth and it aligns your thoughts. Then you can walk in faith. What's missing? Thinking the thoughts that God thinks. And friend, you can do that. God has called us to replace lies with his truth. How do we do it? We open up our mouths and speak his truth. Can you put your hands together if you believe it? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us in this place. God, thank you for speaking to your kids. God, I pray that you minister freedom to your sons and your daughters today that they needed that little hack, that little trick on, on having a handle on their thoughts. God, I pray that as they practice it, more and more peace and freedom will rush into their life. God, I thank you that as they engage in a process of renewing their mind, they find the freedom that you've intended for them. Lord, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, I pray, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another moment. If you came into this room and your life's not right with God, for whatever reason, I want to give you an opportunity to get your life right with God. The only way to do that is the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. To get back into relationship with God, you have to receive a relationship with his one and only son, Jesus. And the Bible says that when you call him Lord, Lord means boss, when when you make him the boss, the God of your life again, What happens is you stop being God. And that relationship that you broker with him through Jesus is strong enough to carry you into eternity. You'll avoid a Christless hell. You'll have eternity with him in heaven. And eternal life will start today. It starts the moment you accept Christ. It doesn't start when you die. If that's you in this place, I'm not going to embarrass you and call you down to the front, anything like that. I just want to know who I'm praying for today. If that's you in this place and you want to have your life right with God, on the count of three, I'm going to have you slip your hand up and put it right back down straight away. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, three, hands up in this room. Got you, got you. Great, wonderful. Got you, got you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Now, for those people that raised your hand, we're going to pray. I know you want God first. I know you want resolve in your life. It's on the other end of saying that you have a new Lord over your life, calling him Lord. So we're going to pray. Church, I want you to pray with us. Support those people that are praying it for the first time. Support those people who are coming back home and say this is a declaration of your faith. Everybody out loud, pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin put your spirit within me I receive all that you have for me thank you for saving me thank you for making all things new in Jesus name amen
and amen. Let's give it up for those people that have accepted Christ. Praise God. Can I pray for you? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And God, I pray that you give them your peace. And as you go, you're dismissed. Have a great day. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.